Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Philosophy Friday, where each Friday we'll be answering five philosophical questions in under 15 minutes. So again, we have random questions generated here. I don't look at them ahead of time. We just run through them one at a time, give each question about two to three minutes, or maybe one to five minutes, and then go from there. So to begin, for question number one, a, a doozy right off the bat is what is consciousness? So this is actually a question that really there is no answer to, and people are even looking to win the Nobel Prize to definitive, definitively define what consciousness actually is. And the challenge with it is that how do you measure something that's not necessarily measurable? And also where the exact agreement on it isn't even defined at the same point. To myself, I would say that consciousness would be the ability to suffer or feel pain, to be relatively aware of your surroundings, of stimulation, of anything that occurs where you have the ability to think. And it doesn't even have to be so deep, but the ability to ponder, to act on a certain stimulus in the environment or that occurs within yourself. That's probably how I define it. That one's quite tricky. And without doing too much research on that off the bat, that's how I would at least go about answering it. And I think the more important question is, when you define consciousness, what do you do with that, right? What are the implications of it? Because if you say that a dog, for example, that they're not conscious, then that totally changes the way you interact with them. But then if you go to a human being and then this human being is a vegetable, meaning that they're re really stuck in a bed, they can't move, that they don't have any mobility, any awareness, how do we treat this individual? How do we interact with them? So really defining consciousness. And then once we do that, figuring out what we do next, I see that as being really the bigger question at hand for sure. Number two. Is there inherent order in nature or is it all chaos and chance? Okay, this one's really a really solid question because when we look at nature, I mean, if, if we even just look at the nature of nature, there's no, there's order and there's structure, just how would I explain it? There's basically no such thing as a straight line in nature, right? So if we look at cities and more established communities, you see that there are a lot of designs and creations that are actually perfectly symmetrical. And if you go to nature, let's say in the woods or in the forests, the oceans, the beaches, anything that is from nature, not man-made, you will notice that there aren't actually that many symmetrical patterns. And for myself, I actually see that as a way of not that they're being chaos, but more so being chance. Because the latter part of this question is saying, is it all chaos and chance or is there order in nature? So from my understanding is that in nature, the order is the order that's evolved over time and the patterns that are constantly reinforced. However, there is chaos and chance due to the unpredictability that different agents and different forces in the environment can act upon at a given time. So let's say if you have a deer that's in nature, 
that was determined to get its food, go back to its base where they're safe, continue its life. And then you have on the other side of the forest, you have a bear that was going to go to get the bear's food, but had to take a different route. And now that route is actually interfering with the deer's route. So while there was that order and that con continuity, that minor change actually shifts where the deer and the bear are going to move forward. And then now with that change, it turns into chaos and chance. So the order was previously there, and then it shifted due to competing interests. And we even look at human nature, right? We, we say that, oh, people are so predictable. Oh, you can control what you can control. And if you expand, you can control as much as you want. But that's just not true because of the competing interests that different agents have within nature. And I would say that's really what causes that sense of chaos and chance that occurs. Because at the same time, you can be doing everything in an orderly fashion, everything correct, and then end up having a totally different outcome. And for me, that doesn't sound too much like there's order. Third question, is there an alternative to capitalism? Now, of course, this is debated all the time. I do personally have a background in economics, and I really am a fan of just understanding different political systems, different political structures. And for myself, I would say that there is an alternative to capitalism that actually does work very well. I think different, different communities, different systems help propel a certain system to work more efficiently than the other. Now, I wouldn't say that, let's say socialism or communism is better than capitalism. But what I would say is to ask everybody, why is it that capitalism is the last stage of the economic model as to which we can use to govern society? For me, that doesn't make any sense. I believe if we're constantly evolving and we're learning new strategies, new methods, new technologies come about, then I think that would change the way we structure the activities we engage in, the behaviors we have, and ultimately what the future can look like. Because if we operate off of systems that we've used for years, some systems do work, other ones need to be changed. And for myself, I would like to see a system that works better than capitalism, or that is at least more fair in the sense of there being less negative externalities that actually do harm to people as opposed to good. Then again, of course, Capitalism is a system that has helped progress society, at least here in the West, incredibly well compared to other systems. So is there an alternative? Yes. Do we got to figure it out? Yes. And has it happened soon enough? No. And am I curious to see what comes next? Of course. <clears throat> okay. Last two that we can tackle. Is it more important to be respected or liked? Okay, this is really, this is a great question. So a book on this actually that is very helpful to, well, two different books, I would say, that I read that were very definitive for me and the second this question, having the perspective I have, would be The Prince by Niccolo Machiavelli. Great, great book. As well as another book by Rutger Bregman and it's called Humankind. Now these two books, really differ in their approach. So Machiavelli would be more would be more Hobbesian, right? Meaning that people are more 
nasty or the life is nasty, brutish. People are selfish. And we really got to focus on ourselves. And in that book, Machiavelli would talk about really the need to be respected more than liked. And there's a little bit of a, of a connection between being respected and feared. Because in the book, he talks about it's more important to be feared than liked because people like you, but then, okay, they'll, you do something to piss them off and then they'll get, they'll get over you and then actually end up betraying you. But if you have people who respect you and in a way, not fear you that you're going to hurt them, but fear you in the sense that you do have power, then you will be more likely to remain in control and power and really just fend off enemies who are trying to do you harm. Now on the latter side would be Humankind, the book by Rutger Bregman, a Dutch historian. And this book really changed my perspective on the Hobbesian Machiavelli approach. And what he's talking about is that it's not necessarily more important to be liked. That book talks more about really the nature of humanity and how we've been led to believe that left to our own volition, that we'd be very Hobbesian and that we'd be selfish. We wouldn't care about anybody else. And throughout the book, he provides ample examples from history and from psychology to actually prove the latter. So definitely you're getting two different takes on that. From my end, I would say, I would actually ask, is it too much to get both? Why not be respected and liked? Of course, it's kind of a cop-out. So I would say it is more important to be respected because that's something you got to earn and something that you got to defend. But being liked, anyone can say something to your face and just pretend to be a certain way. Plus, that's fleeting because the moment that you actually do something that upsets people, they'll like you a lot and they may even excuse you. But at the same time, they'll be ready to move on pretty quick. Okay, <clears throat> last question. Oh, this one I love. This is a great question. And the answer is very simple. The question goes, are we in the matrix? And right off the bat, yes, I do believe we are 100%. Now, for anyone who's not familiar with the matrix, you got to go watch the movies, starring Keanu Reeves as Neo. Great film. The trilogy is incredible. Really got to watch it. And the simplest way to really support my, my take on this is that if you just look around you, for example, people are behaving certain ways because of the human nature that they have, but also the nurturing that they've got and throughout the course of their life and the environment as to which they live in and the society. So for example, we can look at, I mean, you just look at a Western culture versus an Eastern culture, right? They're so, they're similar in their basic human needs, but they're opposite with, with the way that they value certain things, right? So the West is more individualistic. The East is more collectivist, right? The, the West tends to be more capitalist in nature and East, not so much. Now, just with these differences, even the system we're in and the system they're in, we're all operating in these invisible systems that formulate what is called the matrix. And the popular notion of the matrix that's been created now or been popularized is the idea that, let's say you're working, working at a job, you're doing the very basics of what society is demanding upon you. And you end up buying things you, 
you can't afford that you don't need to impress people you don't even like. And that's a quote from Fight Club that really talks about that a lot, is the fact that everything around us that we're experiencing now, is it actually reality? You know, the film creates this very intense separation between reality and fiction. Now, if we look at it even in our own lives, for anyone who's even listening to this, you probably use your phone as a way to connect with, let's just say, social media, with people that you may know across the globe, and just different forms of entertainment. And what this does is it's actually like the information you're unconsciously, in my mind, that you're unconsciously choosing to fill your time and your brain and your space with, that becomes your reality. And it actually distorts reality reality because this fiction that you have has created a totally different reality for yourself. In simple terms is that yes, we are in the matrix. I think the question that we need to ask is what are we gonna do knowing that we're in the matrix? Is it a bad thing to be in the matrix? And if so, what's the alternative? And if there is no alternative, what do we do with the time we got? So to review, five questions are, what is consciousness? Is there inherent order in nature or is it all chaos and chance? Is there an alternative to capitalism? Is it more important to be respected or liked? And finally, are we in the matrix? So let me know what you guys think. Curious to hear some of your thoughts, leave a review saying what you think. Am I totally off my rocker? Are these questions too deep? Are they not deep enough? What does it all mean? These are questions to think. So hopefully we left you with a little bit more information than you had previously. And moving forward, a little more curiosity than you had earlier. Until next time, peace.